Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to episode three slash four. Yeah. So we had a two-parter on abortion. Yep. That's right. So episode three or four, depending <laughs> on your preference. However you want to count it. I am Stuart, and I am a Republican. I am Ben, and I am a Democrat. And we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter today. Yeah, that's right. Um, But first... <laughs> Stuart has something to say. I do. I'm very <laughs> frustrated. <laughs> ben, um... Yep. I think we're all really stupid. Oh. <laughs> like, all of us in this like, room? Uh, or like, well, yes. <laughs> well, you, you, me, and this cat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a cat in the room. Um, but, no, I've just been really frustrated lately about two things majorly and and they both kind of fall under the same umbrella um i'm really frustrated with just like the feeling that we need to be so ideologically consistent um and i guess that's kind of what this podcast is about right like most of these issues have a lot of nuance to them and it's not just one side or the other like we talked about a little bit before recording like Mm -hmm. Like from the conservative perspective, we say I would like lower taxes. I want I want taxes to be lower. I want I I like I don't want to raise taxes. Raising taxes is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You ask ninety percent of people what is the tax rate that they're currently paying, they won't be able to tell you. Yeah, I know I wouldn't. One hundred percent of the people in this room wouldn't be able to. Correct. Tell you. <laughs> Survey says. <laughs> 100% of people <laughs> do not know. Do not know. But like what if the tax rate is currently 1%? Would we still be like I think we need to lower it? Yeah. Like zero zero is good. No, like we wouldn't. So being so ideologically consistent and that's how it works with all of these issues I think. Like conservatives we say we're pro life. Like does that mean like liberals aren't pro life? Like if we're just taking words out of context like do we have the monopoly on the words pro-life mm-hmm. and do, do liberals have the monopoly on words pro, like pro-choice? Like it's not, there's nuance to these issues. It's not that simple. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe I'm getting into it because like we'll get into like the Black Lives Matter stuff, like just the monopoly on the words Black Lives Matter, like <laughs> obviously, <laughs> yes. <And> yet- <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I guess my, my main frustration is just I'm, I'm becoming with doing this podcast. I feel myself getting pulled more to the center, mm-hmm. and the Republican Party is kind of leaving me, especially with Trumpism becoming so mm. um, apparent. Um, so I think I think we just need to be careful about how ideologically consistent we are in the face of actual solutions to problems, because mm-hmm. like. If we get too ideologically inconsistent, all of a sudden, like Joseph Stalin, super ideologically consistent. Yep. Hitler, ideologically consistent. Not good. Like, and you get so ideologically consistent on these things that you forget, like, oh, these are actual issues that we're dealing with that have nuance and have uh, things that aren't going to be solved by one solution. And I think my rant, I guess, is just we need to be careful about. Being so ideologically consistent that we lose sight of actual solutions. Yeah. 
and I've just been really frustrated about that lately. But anyway, let's get into the news today. What happened this sure. week? Um, Emily Murphy, GSA, started the transition. It's true. So and that is Trump still has not conceded. Very exciting. <laughs> Except then he was like, "Oh yeah, I told her to do that." Yeah, and yeah, she was like, after, "No one, no one told yeah. me to do this." And yes. so we're like, "Ah, who's the liar?" <laughs> <laughs> hmm. We have, who's making stuff up? We have historical precedent for. <laughs> I think I to, know to guess who the liar is. I have a guess. Um, but yes, no, the GSA did begin to give Joe Biden basically security clearance. Um, so he's being briefed on national security issues which is good all good things um the next president of the united states should definitely know what's going on in the world (laughs) before they step into (laughs) the most powerful office in the world um so that's good um trump did pay three million dollars to do a recount in wisconsin yes and he lost 132 votes from said recount <laughs> um and he lost another lawsuit in pennsylvania they threw it I out see that yep. um they threw out another lawsuit in pennsylvania so it seems more and more inevitable we keep saying this every week and he still has yet to concede still think it's dangerous but you know it's less dangerous now so than it was last week so good things are happening Things are getting better. Yes. I would say things are getting better. If Trump runs again in 2024, we'll have a different conversation. Hmm. What a time that'll be. That'll be a civil war in the Republican Party. Yeah, I saw a poll. I think I talked to you about this. I saw a poll for the 2024 election already. And yes, there are polls for the 2024 election already. Um, I think showed trump at 25 percent and mitt romney at like 19 percent fingers crossed for romney i will be campaigning hard for mitt romney in 2024 believe me believe me believe me um but yeah so still relatively the same but things are getting better yeah um apparently donald trump answered reporters questions for the first time in like uh, he did years. yeah he did. He, and so and then, said don't talk to the president of the united states like that oh my gosh so yamish alcindor i think is how you say your name uh-huh is the, she's the new york times correspondent to the white house yes anyway i think so i, I follow her on twitter sounds right and so because i'm thinking about the concession thing and the fact that he won't concede yeah and her tweet said president trump when asked if he would leave the white house said certainly i will and you know that mm-hmm. so that might be the closest we ever get yeah, to a concession. I mean that's which is fine, probably true. And they've asked him if he would attend the inauguration for Joe Biden, and he hasn't given a straight answer. Which I think we know the answer which, to that is no. And, and frankly, I don't care if he goes. <laughs> like he, he can do whatever he wants on, on that day as long as he leaves. The White House. <laughs> I don't care what else he does with his name. He will immediately announce he's running for president in twenty twenty four. Yep, and cool. <laughs> He'll hold a rally while the inauguration is happening Just across the state. Yeah. <laughs> A MAGA rally. Oh okay. All right. All right. BLM. Black Lives Matter. All right. So going into this like conversation where we decided well, this is what we were going to be talking about um, this week. Um, kind of starting – our starting spots, I think I started pretty far to the right um, mm. where I was basically, you know – we can't just throw things like systemic racism around and and 
the Black Lives Matter movement is dangerous and a terrorist organization or yada, yada, yada. And um, a lot of the things I think I still have those arguments, but I've definitely felt myself be pulled more towards the center as you start thinking about issues a little more and think about how you're going to talk about it. And I'm interested to hear kind of where you're coming from and, and talk about it a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So I think for me, as far as Black Lives Matter goes, um, I don't know. It's not something that I get to talk about very often because mm-hmm. nobody wants to talk about it. Um, why we're doing this. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I guess my biggest thing with it is I don't fully understand the pushback. Okay. I do not agree with all of the things that the Black Lives Matter organization specifically stands for. That's an, I think it's important to distinguish between the phrase Black Lives Matter and the organization Black very Lives Matter. Very important. They are very, very two very different things. <laughs> Capital B and lowercase b. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not liberal enough. Again, that's becoming a trend here. But <laughs> I do not support everything that I think the Black Lives Matter organization supports. And I don't think I support everything about their history. Um, that being said, I appreciate what they're trying to do. I signed a petition the other day to try and get Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to meet with the leaders of BLM because... During the election, I was getting more and more frustrated, realizing that for hundreds of years, black people have been oppressed and, you know, things have changed and things have gotten better. But like, we've never gotten to that point where I think the American dream is a reality for everyone, regardless of their race. And I want that to happen. So I appreciate what they're doing. I don't think I can support everything about the Black Lives Matter organization. And as far as the movement goes, I think I'm most disturbed by um violence that we've seen in protests which has been minimal I, you know if we spend an equal amount of time a proportionate amount of time focused on peaceful protests and violent protests we would see that there's not actually a whole lot of violence going on um I agree. but there is some and i don't know how many of that is actual blm protesters upset versus opportunists who want to cause trouble I think it's probably some of both. Um, I wish that they were less violent. I appreciate nonviolent protest and it's protected by the constitution. So uh, that's, I don't, I'm not sure how my feelings can get much more complicated than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty much where I'd st- I think, again, as long as we're talking about moving more towards the center early last week, I would have said, yeah, I support everything about the Black Lives Matter organization. I'm with them 100%. Now I think that there's some fundamental disagreements that I have with them on a few things, but that's how I feel. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really important for, because I think conservatives have a really, really hard time with the idea that there's a systemic racist racism problem that needs to be solved and to do that, we have to enact things like affirmative action, for instance, or something that affects like reparations for slavery, for example, something that affects white people now when they had nothing to do with slavery in the past or, or discrimination in the past and affecting people who had nothing to do with it to try and make up for things that happened 50 years ago, 60 years ago. And I think that's where the major trouble is. 
Um, and some and some conservatives are just racist, but most are not. <laughs> um, most are not. Um, and but I think you can make the argument to me as a conservative that because someone, a black person, is born now, and his grandfather suffered under Jim Crow, or great grandfather was a slave, or something like that, that they now have a systemic disadvantage because their relatives were affected by systemic racism that occurred at that point in time. Mm -hmm. I don't think there are currently any laws on the books that are systemically racist currently. I was reading about that. But I don't think that means there's not any systemic racism, which is not what I would have said a week ago. But I don't think the fact that there are not currently any systemically racist laws on the books means that there is no systemic racism because we all are affected by who our relatives were or the socioeconomic socioeconomic, uh, standing of our parents or our grandparents. We're all affected. And so I think there is some standing to that. Now, where I have a little pushback is I think we need to be careful about generalizing things to say, like, I still don't like the phrase systemic racism because I okay. think that's that's kind of a boogeyman phrase where we're talking in general. Like, I, I go back to in high school where I look at one of my friends who was African-American, who was black, mm-hmm. and he was very well off. He had a lot of advantages that I did not. I grew up in a pretty poor, lower, lower, lower middle class, if you can even call it that family. And he grew up in a pretty upper class situation. Hmm. And so in that individual circumstance, I think we need to be careful about just saying individual racism, uh, systemic racism plays a factor in in individual circumstances whereas generally i think we can say yeah Mm -hmm. it probably plays a factor i think there are individual circumstances that we need to look at so there will always be some black person who's richer than some white person correct and so that's where you think some of that pushback comes from is that there's some poor white person who's like well hold on what about me yeah i'm also disadvantaged for whatever reasons correct besides race there's a lot of other ways that people can be disadvantaged correct like we're all okay we all have different advantages based on where we're born yeah what we're born into and i think that's the argument from the conservative perspective is Mm -hmm. well we all have disadvantages based on where we're born like Mm. we can't what do we what do we do about it interesting okay so I, it sounds like – so one of the things is that oh, – that was so good. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> Let's see. We can just be done. We can just get it there. <laughs> um, okay. So it's interesting that you bring up like slavery reparations mm-hmm. and things like that because it makes sense then that if people are pushing for racial justice – because like when I say at the beginning, I don't really understand the pushback. Mm-hmm. We're oh that was my stomach. We're talking about we're, we're talking Speaking of about pushback. I haven't I haven't eaten anything today. Yikes. Oh, it is two o'clock. So <laughs> we're it's um when we talk about Black Lives Matter, when we talk about police brutality, what you're saying is 
that's actually part of a larger conversation. I think so. And so it makes sense if we're talking about just Black Lives Matter and just police killings and things like that. That, you know, that's only one part of, well, when we talk about that, then we also have to talk about slavery reparations. Yes. We also have to talk about racial injustice in all kinds of other areas. Yes. So that's why it's a scary topic for some people. Okay. I've, I've always said, like, with the George Floyd thing happened. Yeah. Obviously terrible. Obviously should not have happened. Obvious murder. Obvious. Okay. Yeah. And if I thought that the BLM marches that followed that were just about the George Floyd situation Mm -hmm. and it was just a protest of what happened, I would have joined them. Just a protest for George Floyd specifically. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Or just, just a protest for that injustice or for those, Mm. that type of injustice there. If I thought that was all it was for, Mm -hmm. I would have joined them. Okay. I would have been marching in the streets too. Mm -hmm. Cause I think that's awful. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's all that we're talking about when we talk about Black Lives Matter, when we talk about BLM. I think there's multifaceted issues that are really, really generalized. And I think that's where it gets dangerous because I think when we generalize it too much, then we're then we're disenfranchising a lot of people. Okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. So do we want to talk about just individual parts of it and how we feel about like police brutality or how we feel about economic equality Sure. or I think, I think that's the most helpful to me. Okay. Because I think that's the most effective way to, unless you disagree. No, I think that's the most effective way to handle a situation instead of just saying broadly, like, okay, is there systemic racism or is there not systemic racism? I think tackling each individual issue, I think, really gets to sure. the crux of the problem. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. So where do you want to start? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's um, – we're talking about police brutality. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because I, I think that's the one that makes me the most – not necessarily upset. It all makes me upset. Sure. But that's such a – something for me that I think – I used to be very pro-police. Uh-huh. I was all about like, they need to be paid more. They need to be respected more. And then after watching the protests and watching like peaceful people being attacked by police and like journalists being attacked by police and EMTs, I was like, you know what? I, I became very anti-police for a while. There was a moment where I was like, you know what? Scrap them all. Get rid of all <laughs> the police departments, fire every single one of them. A cab. I was all about it. I was on, I was on the A cab. Gonna train. go, gonna go live in Chad. I was gonna go, yeah, I was gonna go live in the what does that stand for? The autonomous zone or whatever. Remember. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Chaz, give me a Chad. Give me in Seattle. I'm gonna go hang out in the autonomous zone. Um but since I think I've become a little bit more centered. So, I well, I'm I'm not really sh- maybe I'm not sure what kind of discussion there is to have about police brutality. Well, I think I think solutions, um, mm. like because because we can scream all day long like there's police brutality, but I think we both recognize and most people recognize like defund the police. I think is a very very bad term. <laughs> it's a it's an awful term, <laughs> like. Because it, it freaked me out as a conservative. Sure. Like when you first hear it, you're like, "What in the world?" Can I t- it freaked me out yeah. too. Like yeah. you're I shouting, like, "What?" Hold on. <laughs> let's let's start there. Can we yeah. start with defund yeah. the police? Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. So when I first heard, sorry, not to cut off your thing. No, no, you're when good. When I first heard defund the police, you know what it made me think of? It made me think of, we're going to build a wall and we're going to make Mexico pay for it. <laughs> like, it was such a ridiculous statement when, like, I don't know, again, like, Trump, whatever, I can't get away from him. But, like, when I watched the video of him saying that, it's like he just pulled it out of the air. He's like, and we're going to make Mexico pay for it. Like, it was just a thing that he said. And so the yep. first time I heard defund the police... It just sounded like a retribution. Like, we hate them. They're awful. Yeah, they're murdering exactly. us. So we're taking their money well, and firing all of them. When you're protesting in the street, yelling and screaming, and then screaming defund the police, I mean, that's right. just the natural, like... Yes. I think, yeah, I think that's a dangerous phrase. And I also think that saying something like, reevaluate allocation of public funds for public safety doesn't <laughs> it's fit catchy. on a sign. It's yeah. not as catchy. <laughs> yeah. So, so since, I don't know. Okay, so from the right, yeah. when you hear defund the police... What goes through your guys' brains? What do you, you think abolish? Okay, you think you think they're meaning abolish, which um, unless you look into a little a little bit more and what they're actually meaning is is well, valid. Like you you can understand where where you would get that. And I think some people are wanting. Yeah, to abolish no, and that's the other problem is yeah. there are members of the Black range. Lives Matter movement who you have the Chaz situation mm -hmm. where you actually want to get rid of police. Yeah, so I think there's. That's when we talk about nuance. I think mm -hmm. there's things we have to discuss. And I think most people would lean to the side of, we understand that we need a police force in some form or fashion. Yes. It's just, how do we best address the issues? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, defund the police scared me until yep. you actually understand what's <laughs> being fought for well yeah and i think there's not a consistent i mean it's pretty clear that there's not a consistent message yeah platform among the left as to how we want to defund the police yeah because i was just telling you about how my respect for joe biden has gone through the roof mm -hmm. because of the plans that i was reading about where he wants to inject millions of dollars into he wants to do the opposite he doesn't want to defund them he actually wants to give them more money for and like add extra reforms, like make sure everyone has body cams, like make sure that they get extra training, like all of that stuff. I think that's brilliant. Yes. I love that. See, that's the, that's the other problem I have with the phrase is to fix most of the problems that we have, it actually is going to require need more, more money. <laughs> funding to the yeah, police. That makes sense. Like it's, it, it like my, my personal solution, I feel like I've been talking a lot early on. No, um, I feel like I've been hogging time too. <laughs> <laughs> my my personal thoughts on police are, are a couple fold because um, I thought about it a lot on what solutions are because I got really frustrated in like the heat of like the BLM protests after mm -hmm. right after George Floyd I was really frustrated and I was really like angry and so I was actually thinking about like solutions and I've been thinking about it for a long time I think and these are just my thoughts my me Joe Schmo from. <laughs> Arizona like um but I think mandatory therapy sessions for mm. every single police officer in the United States every week the department should be assigned a therapy group where they have their choice of four or five therapists that they can go to mm -hmm. and every single police officer is required for 1 hour to go see a therapist every single week because they do have a job where they are very stressed. They see a lot of things. They handle a lot of different things. And so I think being able to have a mental health evaluation yeah. would be beneficial. 
And I think unless they meet a certain standard of mental health, I think they should be put on a leave of some kind. Oh, okay. Where I think that can be, and the therapists themselves should be trained specifically for handling police officers. Hmm. So it would be a multi, multi, multi-fold thing, but sure. I, I think that would be a first kind of step. Yeah. I'm all for police departments separating departments, meaning like you have traffic cops who all they do oh, are traffic stops. I hadn't they, heard that one. And they don't do traffic stops, anything but traffic stops. They That's just do traffic stops. Because I think one of the other problems is if you're a cop, mm-hmm. you can at 6 p.m. get called to go to a drug bust right. and be busting down a door with your gun out and and holding people up and then at two hours later yeah. you're, you're pulling someone over for a routine traffic stop that makes sense like it's really 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 difficult for anybody to just go from hey put your hands in the air put your hands in the air like mm-hmm. guns flaring and then mm-hmm. just pulling someone up hey man you were just speeding a little bit it would be hard for anybody to kind of to separate those de-escalate their mind that quickly and sure. i think that's kind of a problem that we have i think there's just a wide variety of things that cops are doing mm. and so i think if we can separate them into specific things where all you're doing is trained to be drug busters. All you're doing is trained to be investigators. Interesting. You're trained to be traffic cops. I think that can be valuable too. Okay. How do you feel about the like suggestions that we give calls related to like homeless people and related to like mental health calls to social workers as opposed to like the police? I think, I think it would be twofold Hmm. because I think it would it would really depend on it would really depend on i think you would need both cops and a social worker there okay because i think you would you would still run into situations where i think things could get violent things could have different issues where the social worker just may not okay. be able to deescalate the situation sure because mental health is so volatile that I see. Even if a social worker is a professional at handling it, things can still get out of hand. Yeah. And you would still need, I think, some reinforcement there. Just in the background, just in case. Yes. Okay. Yes. But I but I, I don't see a problem with if there's a domestic abuse call mm-hmm. having like a social worker on call in the in the precinct and say, like, hey, we've got a domestic abuse call. We need you to come with us. Yeah. And bringing the social worker there. I don't see a problem with that. Okay. Yeah. But again, that would require more More funding. funding. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. More money to police. So another thing that I hear people talking about, when we do talk about like actually taking the money away from the police, one thing that I hear about a lot is police militarization. So like riot gear, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. How would you feel about defunding that? I have a really hard time with that one. We may really? find some disagreement. I, I okay. have a really hard time with that one because I do. I I think, I think you have to still have a police department that's prepared for anything. Okay. Because I mean, we talk about the BLM violent protests, mm-hmm. right? Like these are a lot of people in a big crowd, in a a wide area. Yeah. And while I do think that police police have been shown in these situations to overstep their bounds and cause some of the violence to start. Okay. I think they still need to have the equipment and be prepared to handle 
those type of large scale civil unrest situations. If protests become riots. Yes. They need to have riot gear. Okay. Yes. Like I and I and I understand the the argument to demilitarize the police. I understand it's it's scary. Mm-hmm. But I, I I I would tend to think that they would still need to be prepared gotcha. for any situation. Sure. Okay. And I also think it should be really uh, much more difficult to become a police officer. Ooh, yeah. Requirements to become police. Okay. That's the thing that we talk it's about. It's way a lot. too yeah. easy. It's way too easy to become a police officer. Which we could do if we paid them more. Sure. Like if we made it a more high-paying, respectable job, mm-hmm. then we could have higher requirements for people to become police which officers. Which again requires, which requires more, more funding. funding. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I would love to have a good, high-quality, intelligent, just all-around good, strong police force that was really well-funded. I think that would be great. Like, if, I don't think many of us would have a problem, even on the left. And I'm speaking for the left here. Mm-hmm. But if you had a a situation where you had a police force that did have military equipment or riot gear, if they had to have a college degree and were required to go through like a year's worth of training beforehand, it might make you feel a lot better mm-hmm. than just some Joe Schmo mm-hmm. who decided I don't want to go to college, so I'm going to become a cop. Yeah, like just getting access to all this gear, or I have a power trip, so I'm going to become a cop. Mm-hmm. So I think it should be much harder to be a police officer. <clears throat> yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So okay. do, do you do you have? <laughs> I, I gave some of my ideas for solutions. What do you think about those? And do you have any of your own like thoughts? Uh, yeah. Well, so I think one issue. That I understand when people say abolish the police, I think they're afraid that we can't change the culture of policing. Um, I tend to be on the side. Here's a little bit of background. So, again, I have a psychology degree. When I was doing a sociology class, we were encouraged for an assignment to take an implicit biases test mm, I've taken on it. race. Yeah, and mine came back as the second worst one, like extremely biased. Not like disgustingly biased but like extremely biased <laughs> really i took the harvard yeah. one i wasn't racist at all really yeah. okay yeah i was racist <laughs> so here's my thought trying to make myself feel better i think everyone's a little bit racist sure. i think i don't think that's a problem i don't think i don't have a problem with that at all i think a lot of conservatives do yeah i i don't have a problem with people saying there's implicit bias or implicit racism sure at all because i think that's just natural yeah and I don't necessarily think that abolishing a police force and putting something else in there instead is going to make people no longer be implicitly biased. No, because you have to have some form of law enforcement. Yeah, we have to have some authority. And they're going to have biases. Yeah. And so when I was reading about, if we're talking about solutions, I read a lot about Camden, New Jersey, and how they got rid of their police force. Okay. And got, like, the city specifically abolished their police department, and now they're under, like, a county police department. Mm-hmm. And they've had a lot of struggles and a lot of problems, and it did not fix everything at all mm-hmm. right at the beginning. Um, but now, thanks to kind of the fact that a lot of – it's the fact that they were – well, first of all, they got rid of the police union. Mm-hmm. So I don't know much about police unions. My understanding is that they have a lot of power and are very resistant to changes and reforms. Um, and so as undemocratic as it is, and as much as I, as a traditional liberal person, believe in unions, I also think that we need to 
reform has to happen. And if a sure. union's standing in the way, then we have to have some way to push those reforms through. <laughs> so the only way that Camden was able to become safer is by scrapping their police force, bringing on a new one, which still had its problems, and then allowing the citizens to point out those problems and having people that were open to fixing it and addressing it, um, which wouldn't have been possible with the police union likely. Obviously, we don't know because that's not how history happened. Um, So in terms of fixing things, when I think about abolishing the police and getting rid of the culture of implicit bias and the culture of oppression, I don't know if abolishing the police is the best way to do that. Um, it looks like it worked great in Camden. I don't know how it would work in other places. Um, I think if there's a nice, easier way that we can work with police unions without having to, you know, fire everyone, there should, there, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is there should be a way to push these reforms through. Cause I feel like a lot of people are pretty on par when it comes to reforms. Like, yeah, police should have body cams. If I were a policeman, I'd want to wear a body cam because then I have evidence to back up my claims about whatever happened, you know? So I think that there are reforms that should be pushed through. And if it's the police union that's standing in the way, if it's the culture that's standing in the way, then we need to find a way to get it through anyway. I agree. I don't, I I don't know. I'm talking in circles. I don't have a lot more to add. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think, I (laughs) I think there are a lot of, I hate this term, um, but common sense solutions to a lot of these problems. I just think, and here's another basic rant. I think a lot of the problem is is our 24-7 news media, right? Mm. Like, with the 24-7 news media, something newsworthy is not happening 24 hours, seven days a week. Something newsworthy is not happening. So if you're a 24-7 news media organization, you now have to make something happen 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you have something to cover. Mm. And not make something happen in the sense that they're pulling something out of thin air – but I think you see on things like Fox News, MSNBC, CNN to an extent, like mm-hmm. you kind of exaggerate some of these things to make it seem more newsworthy. So you're talking about it. And I think that's what's kind of happening with a lot of these Black Lives Matter protests, too, mm-hmm. is we're taking these things out of context, the defund the police stuff. Mm-hmm. And so now you're freaking out the conservatives <laughs> Because they're like, what in the world? These crazy people are running around, burning down buildings, breaking mm-hmm. into stores, and wanting to get rid of police departments. Yeah. Like, what in the world? Yeah. And so if we actually sit down and have a conversation, welcome to the Red and Blue Podcast. <laughs> Real <we>, credits. <laughs> we actually sit down and have a conversation, then we can actually start talking about these things yeah. that I think most people would be on board with. Sure. With body cams like you said i think is another Mm -hmm. great idea Mm -hmm. um and the other things that we've talked about i think are just common sense things where we can say okay we're not getting rid of the police department also some of them may be racist you may have racist cops that's gonna happen and we need to get rid of them Mm -hmm. we can't just and it it goes along with my rant earlier political uh the ideological consistency Mm -hmm. all cops aren't good they're not like they're not all good i mean so i'm not totally pro police because there are some really dumb cops (laughs) who don't know what they're doing like and and so and there are racist cops there are racist people who are going to become cops because it's so easy to become cops yeah and yeah it's not easy to well okay so in church a few weeks ago, we heard a sermon, testimony, talk, whatever you want to call it. 
a guy was talking about his experience becoming a police officer. Oh, and great. it was really, really interesting because he said it was really, really difficult mm-hmm. because not because of the requirements, but because of the culture. Okay. Because the whole time he said it was very militant. He had mm. these people like screaming in your face, calling you trash, trying to beat you down and form you into their ideal. That's so dangerous. Which is really dangerous. That's so so dangerous. I don't mean to discount any police officers who the job is hard. Sure. We've talked about that, you know, sure. You should all please get therapy because it's hard, you know, but, but it needs to be a different hard. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's, that's really dangerous to me because there's a difference between being militant. I understand the beat down, like yell and scream in your face. If you're in the military, you're going, your job is to go to war and to kill people. Yeah. As a police officer, that's not your job. Your job is to protect people and to interact with people. That's a very good like, point. There, you can't be militant with a, with a police officer because their job is not to be militant. Right. Like that. That's frustrating to me. Yeah. That's frustrating because yeah. that's, that is a condition. You're conditioning them over a period of time to basically be emotionless. Mm-hmm. I, I've studied the military a little bit. I'm not a... I've never been in, in the service. I don't plan on it. Like, but I've kind of studied their, their training and they're, they're, they're conditioned to be a certain way so that they're essentially emotionless to an extent hmm. and they can carry out a job that kind of requires you to be that way. To dissociate a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Whereas cops shouldn't dissociate at all. <laughs> their job should be to empathize yeah. and to understand where someone's coming from sure, and to be able to protect people. That's that's frustrating to me. Yeah. No, I. That's <laughs> well, and and I don't know if his. I don't know if I can generalize this one. Sure, sure, example. sure. You know, sure, maybe sure. that's just the way that the Mesa Police Department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? I mean, I can tell you this way, Mesa Police. But. <laughs> but yeah, that should never happen. Yeah. People shouldn't have to learn how to become cops, how to become public safety officers in that kind of environment. No, I agree. Um, there's one other question that I have for you. Sure. Can you tell me a little bit more about the all lives matter thing? Okay. That cuz that has always confused and irritated me to the point where I I don't know if I've ever taken the time to try and understand where people who say that are coming from. Yeah. No, I think I think it is the fact that we're differentiating the term black like black lives matter from the mm-hmm. group black lives matter. Okay. So I think the all lives matter response is just a response to the phrase black lives matter. So like when you say black lives matter, mm-hmm the response from the all lives matter group is like, yeah, I agree. But so do white lives or Asian lives or Mexican lives. Like we all matter. Okay. So it's not, it's very, it's very simplistic. It's a simplistic point of view. I think Mm -hmm. I've never really been an all lives matter guy. Okay. Like, because I think it is just taking something on face value of like, Oh, black lives matter. No, all lives matter. Of course, of course they do. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's not the point. So I, I've never been an all lives matter guy, but sure. I I understand and it kind of gets into the other aspects of like, oh, now you're threatening to say that because you're white and get a certain and answer all the same answers as your black friend on the SATs, mm-hmm. the black friend is going to get a higher score than you mm-hmm. simply because he's black. Sure. Like, and that's, and I think that's a combat, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for. Um, a contradiction, a, a response to that, okay. um, to that type of stuff. So you think it comes from 
like maybe the fear of reverse racism or like, okay. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Because I've always said before, kind of thinking about it a little bit more, like if you're wanting reparations for the terrible things that happened Mm -hmm. and your response to that is, okay, we have to make up for it. Mm -hmm. Then aren't by definition you doing your, the kind of same things that you're criticizing from from the past if your idea is to is to kind of make up for what happened to make up for what happened do you not have to be a little a little prejudiced or racist towards specific groups now Mm. in order to kind of even it out gotcha like because if you were racist here if you were both on even playing fields and you mm -hmm. were racist so one guy got put down here Mm -hmm. in order to even it out don't you have to be a little bit you have to bring down the other racist guy. to an extent to make it even there. I mean, I mean, that's, that's the thought process. Okay. Is, and we can talk about it a little bit. Like I, I think it's possible to even it out without bringing the other down, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and yeah. And maybe slavery reparations and things like that would have to be discussion for a different podcast. Cause sure. to be fair, I don't know anything about <laughs> all of that. Um, but no, no, no. I was just curious because I know that a lot of black lives matter. People get grumpy when people say all lives matter Sure. because they're like, well, yeah, like we get that, but we want to focus specifically on the people who are being treated like they don't matter currently, sure. you know? And I think that overlooks the fact that there are white people who are also treated like they don't matter. It might not happen as often. It might not happen to the same degree systemically as it does to black people, but it does happen. Sure. I think there are white people that get left behind. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I guess I was just curious. So yeah, I and, I think, and I think that's where that, that comes from is, yeah. is just the idea that, yes, and I don't think the All Lives Matter group necessarily thinks about it this deeply, but yes, you do have struggles because of what family you were born into or what race you were born into, but we all have different struggles based on where we were born that we can't control. Now the, now the question is what can we do about it? Okay. And to what extent do we need to do something about it? Hmm. What extent does individual responsibility come in where Uh you say, okay, yeah, we were born into kind of difficult circumstances, but we have to make the decision to now, make up for that and where does it come in where the government says no i mean we were kind of a-holes to Mm -hmm. black people for a long time Mm -hmm. so we need to help you guys out a little bit and i think that's where the kind of the real conversation needs to happen because i think and i think the conservatives are at fault here because i think you need to first recognize that yeah there's some problems that we dealt with sure and are still have some effect today Mm including things like redlining in police departments and and things like that, where police departments do actually patrol areas differently mm-hmm. that happen to be black, have a high black population, sure. and they do white populations. Mm-hmm. So there are still issues. So I think conservatives need to recognize and, and admit that. Okay. That's a bad word, admit. <laughs> um before we can actually start having a conversation. So I think conservatives are at fault here. I do. I think they need to start admitting that there is some problem and then we can actually talk about, okay, so what do we do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe that's something that liberals can do better too. Is like, just take it one step at a time and just say, Hey, 
Like, let's make it clear. We're not trying to fix slavery right now. Mm -hmm. Like what we want to do is do, we want life to be better for black Americans and we can start with police reforms. Mm -hmm. And then if we want to talk about economic justice and if we want to talk about affirmative action, if we want to talk about slavery reparations, like we can Mm -hmm. talk about all that later, but let's start with this. Like maybe Mm -hmm. it needs to be a more clear message from the defund the police people and from the black lives matter group. Like, Hey, baby steps here. Like this isn't, Rome wasn't built in a day. (laughs) We elected Biden. That's step one. (laughs) Now we need to go one step at a time so that, you know, conservatives don't feel like we're, gunning to tear them down and take your money and give it to black people as of slavery you know which i mean is in a legitimate fear among some conservative well, circles yeah and maybe and we, probably because the left hasn't made it clear yeah no i think i think, it would, I think it would help if we were a little bit more clear about that yeah, no i think that's fair um yeah. yeah no i i agree with that completely great i think we're on a very similar page um but i think i think that's kind of the point of America, maybe we'll get into a little bit of a disagreement here hmm. with, I think, I think America is the greatest country in the history of the world. Sure. I think I, from my personal point of view, I think we were founded in part by God and by principles that were, that were inspired by God. Um, and I think, I don't think that means we're perfect. And I don't think that means we'll ever be perfect, but I think a really important phrase in the constitution is a more perfect union. Mm. I think we're always moving towards a more perfect union. We're always trying to be better and trying to live up to the principles that we are founded on, which is all men are created equal. Mm -hmm. And I mean, interesting side note, Jefferson and the constitution had outlawed slavery first Mm. before he edited it out. (laughs) Like we're, we're dealing with imperfect people here, Yeah. but I mean, we have to think about a little bit, well, why did he edit it out? Does that mean Jefferson's a terrible, awful human being? I don't think so. I think if you edit it out, you'd be having a, the civil war and the revolutionary war at the same time mm. <laughs> and, and America will lose <laughs> yeah. in, in general. So, I mean, I think, I think you have to understand there's some nuance here and I think we have to be really careful about these bumper sticker phrases like like black lives matter like defund the police like (laughs) and i think we have to be very very careful because i think you freak people out and people start taking these i I have an argument with my wife pretty consistently where she says i'm i'm for black lives matter and and my response is yeah i'm for black lives matter too Mm -hmm. like i black lives matter i agree the phrase yes i agree Yep. But there's some issues with the group that I that I struggle with, and I think you and I are on a very similar page there, mm-hmm. where I think some of their some of their responses to the problems and solutions to the problems I don't think are mm-hmm. correct. Sure, but I think conservatives need to do a better job of recognizing that there is a problem. I gotcha. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, well, that was our conversation thanks, on thanks Black Lives Matter, in, guys. <laughs> Next week we move on to the seas. <laughs> What's a sea? Or we, you know what I've been wanting to talk about? What the Civil War? Okay. And Confederate monuments and stuff. Ooh, that's a good one. It's a very similar, similar. So yeah, topic. same kind of. So maybe continuing off. racial stuff. 
Yeah, the two white guys talking about race. Woo, because last time the two white guys <laughs> talked about abortion. So Woo! We're just killing it here. Yeah. Talking about stuff. Yeah, no, but I think it's important for everyone to have their opinions heard. And to be able to have an opinion. And I think it's it's really harmful to us as a society to say because you're a certain race or because you're a certain gender that you cannot ha- therefore have an opinion on sure. on things. And okay. I think that's that's different. I think there are different perspectives mm-hmm. to everything. And we're not going to have all the perspectives because mm. we're two white men who were born <laughs> in middle class homes and yep. in the suburbs. Like, I mean, that's we're going to have that perspective. Yep. And we disagree on some things, but, and maybe going forward, we might have have a different perspective on here. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's important to have your own opinion and important to be able to share it. Yeah. And thank you guys for listening to our opinions. Absolutely. Giving them the time. Because they're not great. They're not smart. We're not experts. (laughs) We're trying here. No, but giving it our best, (laughs) but we appreciate it. Yep. Hope you all are doing well. Happy holidays. Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Enjoy your week.